I don't know how your mind works, but for me, I, I can really just uh, spend a lot of time thinking about these kinds of things. I, I think it's really quite something to think about. I think it's amazing, really, uh, to think about the fact that right now, uh, we all have the same thing in common, that right now, we are on a planet that is spinning round and round, round and round, round and round at a speed of 1,037 miles per hour. Now, I know you've been busy, and you've probably not thought about it lately, but just take a moment and think about it. I mean, over 1,000 miles an hour, our planet, Earth, the one we call home, it's spinning round and round over 1,000 miles per hour. When I got out of my car this morning coming to church, there wasn't even a breeze in the air. Think about that. (laughs) Spinning 1,000 miles round and round, and there wasn't even a breeze this morning. I mean, that's amazing. That's extraordinary. And what's even more extraordinary than that is to think about not only are we spinning round and round at over 1,000 miles per hour, but right now, We are all speeding through space at a speed of 67,000 miles per hour. I mean, if that doesn't blow your mind, you don't have a mind. I mean, if that just doesn't cause you to think, what? I mean, 67,000 miles per hour, we're all just jetting through space on what's gonna be a 584 million mile journey as we travel 1.6 million miles every single day for the next 365 plus days. And what's gonna be for all of us yet another trip around the sun. 584 million miles, 1.6 million miles a day. And you feel like you're not getting anything accomplished in your day. I mean, you're gonna go 1.6 million miles today. I mean, you think it's a big deal to go to Lexington or to go to Nashville or to go to Cincinnati. I mean, 1.6 million miles a day. And that's the journey we're on. We're all sharing the same journey right now. Your life looks the way it looks. My life looks the way it looks. And and we're all, you know, we got different things going on and our stories are nowhere even close to being the same, many of us. But we're all on the same journey, that journey. A journey that is a trip around the sun. And every December, one of those trips around the sun comes to an end. And every January, another trip around the sun begins. And so consequently, every year this time of year, we kind of pull aside and we pause and reflect. And it looks a little bit different for some of us. And some of us take a few moments. Some of us take one moment. Some of us take a few seconds. But, but all of us, I think, on some level, we stop and pause and we reflect this time of year. And, and we do a, a little bit of looking back and we do a little bit of looking forward. And this looking back and this looking forward during this time of year is not anything new. Matter of fact, this is something us human beings, we have been doing for some 4,000 years that we know of, dating all the way back to the ancient Babylonians. And the ancient Babylonians, when they would celebrate their new year, uh, they would always do it, they would always do it, you know, practicing what we would call today New Year's resolutions. They would start their new year by making pledges or promises to the gods Uh, about the type of life that they wanted to live in the year to come. And so they would promise, I'm gonna do this and I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do more of this. I'm gonna do less of that. I'm gonna pay back this and I'm gonna, you know, do better installments of paying back that loan or, and they would just have all of these resolutions. And this is something that we know of that dates back 4,000 years, maybe even before that, but we just have no record of it. But for 4,000 years, this time of year, we've spent some time looking back and we've spent some time looking forward. And the tradition that started among the ancient Babylonians, it continued even in ancient Rome. 
when Julius Caesar, somewhere around 46 BC, he introduced a brand new calendar to the world because when you're Caesar and you're the emperor of the world, basically you can do what you wanna do. And so he decided that he wanted to introduce a brand new calendar to the world. And in that calendar, January 1 would be celebrated as the new year. It would also be a date that would honor the god Janus. Now, Janus uh, was the god of transition. It was the god of new beginnings. It, it was the god of a fresh start. Uh, and Janus was always depicted as the two-faced god. And, and with one face, Janus would look back into the previous year. And with the other face, Janus would look forward into the new year. And so this looking back and this looking forward, it just seems to be something that is almost hardwired into us at this point. Because when we get to the end of something and we get to the beginning of something, there is some reflection that takes place and it becomes a little bit personal. And so we look back, we look back as individuals. I, I look back, you look back. Uh, we remember the good and we remember the bad and we remember the challenging and we remember the significant. Uh, we look back in order to appreciate to appreciate those fine moments, those enjoyable moments, those special moments. Uh, we look back to not only appreciate and be grateful, but we look back to evaluate, you know, how was last year? Was it win? Was it a loss? Was it a draw? Was it a, you know, how, how did I score? Was it seven out of 10, eight out of 10? You know, so we kind of evaluate things, you know, did, did I reach this goal? Did I, did I get as far as I think I should have? And so we evaluate, we look back to learn you know, learn from some mistakes, learn from failures, learn from missteps. But ultimately, we all spend a little bit of time looking back in order to celebrate the wins and mourn the losses. Celebrate the wins and mourn the losses. Because it's the end of a chapter. And in that last chapter of my trip around the sun, I probably didn't fulfill my greatest potential. And chances are I didn't live up to my highest expectations. But as one chapter comes to an end and another chapter begins, all of a sudden I discover that the future, the future that is yet to happen, the future begins to offer me hope. No matter what the last year of my life looked like, no matter what the last trip around the sun looked like, felt like, no matter what it was full of or empty of, the future offers me hope. And so all of a sudden we begin to look forward, to plan, to anticipate, to adjust, to decide, okay, I need to, I need to change this up. I, I need to do more of this. I need to do less of that. I, I begin to think about what could be. I begin to think about what should be because it's a new year. And, and there's something about that phrase, a new year, that's just exciting. It, it's a, a bit refreshing, a bit energizing because a new year, it, it seems like a new beginning because it is. It, it's the beginning of a brand new trip. It's, it's a new start. It's a, it's a new chapter. It's an opportunity for you, it's an opportunity for me, it's an opportunity for us to relaunch, to reboot, to adjust. It's an opportunity to dig in, to focus. It's an opportunity to do things different. It's an opportunity to do things better. So when I look forward uh, to the future, and I think we all do on some level, but when I look forward to the future, I find myself you know, daydreaming about possibilities and opportunities. I, I love to think about possibilities and I love to think about the opportunities that may connect themselves to those possibilities, but the possibility of healthier, 
I mean, who among us has not, you know, had a dream of being healthier than we are? Not necessarily thinner than we are, though that may be you, or prettier than what we are, uh, that may be you, but just to be healthier, to be healthier physically, to be healthier spiritually, to be healthier emotionally. The possibility of being healthier this year, the possibility of being wiser this year, the possibility of being smarter, of being more disciplined, of, of being stronger, uh, of being able to cope with life better, to be more resilient, to, to have a stronger still of spine that we just, we just don't crumble under the weight of real life. But ultimately the thing that attracts us, the, the thing that really can inspire us if we can tap into it, it's the possibility of better, just better. Uh, better in whatever area that we wanna talk about, better in the areas that are important, the areas that are most important. And when we think about the opportunity, you know, the possibilities, then we think about the opportunities and the opportunity is now, it's really the new year, it's the new start. It's the opportunity to do it different. It's the opportunity to do it better because if we can get real for a moment and be honest with each other and, and we promise that it won't leave the room, but not a single one of us in 2021, not a single one of us crossed all of the T's and dotted all the I's. Not a single one of us. There were some things you left out. There were some things that you left off. There were some things that you skipped over. So you didn't cross all of your T's and dot all of your I's. We all ended 2021 with some deficits. We all fell short in some areas. We all didn't measure up. There were some areas where we fell short. None of us batted a thousand last year, not a single one of us. We all ended last year with some rough edges that could still be you know, sanded off, so to speak. We all closed 21 with some struggles, some of them significant, some of them minor, but, but some of them life-defining. We all ended last year with some struggles. We all have some things that we need to let go of, and we all got some things that we need to lay hold of, some things we need to start doing, some things we need to stop doing. We all finished last year with room to grow our faith. We all ended last year with some greater ways that we could have leveraged in living out our faith. And I could talk about all of those things, and I'm sure you could talk about those things, but chances are we already know what those things are. You don't need me to tell you because you've been thinking about it, you've been wrestling with it. It's been bothering you for weeks, it's been bothering you for months. You've got that little relentless nudge down there in your heart, down there in your soul, that just that thought that just keeps bugging you. You don't need me to tell you what those things are, the things that need to be different, the things that need to get better. You already know all of that, but I came here to tell all of you in London, Williamsburg and Somerset and Middlesbrough, I, I showed up today to tell all of us, to remind us of some really good news, that better is possible. Better is possible. Let's all just say that out loud. You ready? Let's go. Better is possible. Let's say it like we really, really, really mean it. Let's go. Better is possible. That means better for you. This year, better is possible. It's not out of reach. It's, it's not beyond grasp. It's not a pop dream. It's not pie in the sky. You have the capacity to change. I have the capacity to change. Change is possible. It may feel impossible, but it's not impossible. You may have tried dozens of times to change, but change is possible. Being different, living different, it is possible. And so better is possible. And I want you to hold on to that. I don't want you to forget that. Write it down, put it in your phone, put it in your notes, put it in the margin of your Bible. Better is possible. Jesus said, I came to give you life, not only eternal life, but life abundantly, life to the full. Not only eternal life, but a better life. Better is possible. Now, the apostle Paul, he, he penned some words that are really helpful 
along these lines. And especially some words that are relevant for those of us who are thoughtfully contemplating this time of year, who are spending some time looking back and spending some time looking forward. As we think about this next trip around the sun, as we think about the next 365, 364 days, as we think about jetting through space at 67,000 miles per hour, as we think about making that orbit around the sun and what's gonna be another year, God willing, of our lives, as we think about the possibilities and the opportunities of this next trip, as we think about that, the Apostle Paul offers all of us some very helpful advice. Listen to what he says. He says, be very careful then how you live. Now let's just pray and go home. <laughs> Isn't that good advice? Just be careful how you live. Think about it. Give some thought to it. Be thoughtful. Pay attention to how you're living. Evaluate. Score it. Take inventory. Uh, pay attention to, to the day in and day out, ups and downs, ebb and flow of your life. Be careful then how you live. Be self-aware. So how can I be self-aware? Well, maybe you pray that prayer, you know, Father, search my heart and know me, try me. See if there's any, anything in me that offends you, anything in me that, that grieves your heart. Show me so that I can be self-aware. You take self-examination. Maybe you ask a friend, hey, tell me. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you see. Tell me what I can't see. Tell me about my blind spots. Tell me, tell me what you've been wanting to tell me, but it's just a bit uncomfortable to tell me. I promise I'm gonna love you on the other side of it. Be honest with me. Just tell me what I need to know so that you can be careful to live your life the way that you should live your life, to be self-aware, to know how you're doing. Just not to know what you're doing, but to know how you're doing. Not to be like the people in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, you've heard of Jeremiah the prophet, the weeping prophet. He showed up and he talked to a group of people just like me, just like you, and he talked to a group of people and he said, listen, you people are so non-self-aware you say that there's nothing wrong with you. You say you have no wound, but you're bleeding to death. And for those of you who admit you're bleeding, you're putting a Band-Aid on a mortal wound because you lack the self-awareness. You don't even know how you're doing. You're not even giving any thought to how you're living your life. Last year, you just jetted through. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna get through this year. 2020, let's be honest, it sucked apples. But 21, we came in and we were believing for something better and it was kind of shaky, it was up and down. We're sick and tired of hearing about the things we're sick and tired of that won't go away. And 21, it's like, yeah, it's a little bit better, but I'm kind of fed up and I'm kind of upset. And it was just, I wanna get through. I wanna make it as normal as possible. And you just got through it, but you didn't spend a lot of time being careful. I didn't spend a lot of time giving a lot of thought, taking inventory, being self-aware of trying to understand how am I doing at life? How am I doing? How am I doing in my relationship? How am I doing in my faith? How am I doing? Be careful then how you live. In other words, Paul says, don't live your life just one accident after the other, just jetting through. Be intentional, don't waste your life. Don't waste yet another trip around the sun. Don't do that. Refuse to do that. Be careful like you are when you're driving other people's kids in your car. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, I don't know. It's like you love your kids more than you love other people's kids, but you drive more recklessly with your kids in the car. Help us make sense of that. You'll text in the car with your kids. You, you'll, you'll try to, you, you know, you'll put makeup on in the car with your kids. And then, you know, somebody else's kids get in the car with your kids. 
You put the phone away. You turn down the radio, not sure why, but you turn down the radio because it just feels safer. And, and you drive slower. You, you just have a sense of, I, I need to be careful. It's like you are, you get that, you know, popping, you know, very hot cup of coffee and it's, it's right there at the, the rim. I mean, it's like you get into your car and you, you're like, okay, I gotta be really careful or my future is gonna be altered in ways I don't want it to be altered. And, and so, you know, you get in and you just carefully put it or maybe you try to pour a little bit of it out and all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's the knife that you pull out in the kitchen and you, you spend a lot of time sharpening it. So you know how sharp it is and, and your kid picks it up and you're like, okay, if you're gonna help cook dinner tonight, uh, you gotta be careful because what you got in your hand it can accomplish what you want to use it to accomplish, or it can bring great harm to you. And if you lose your temper, it can bring great harm to your brother. So be careful with the knife. And what are we doing as parents in those moments? What are we, what are we doing as individuals in that moment? We, we are saying, I'm gonna pay more attention to this. I'm gonna give this more of my time and attention. I'm gonna be careful. I'm gonna think about maybe some details that I normally don't think about. I'm gonna be careful about how I hold that carrot. I'm gonna be thoughtful about the details of how I get into my car with that cup of coffee. I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit more aware of the traffic situation and the speed limit with the other people's kids in my car that I love less than my kids. And so I, I'm gonna take better care of them and I'm gonna be careful. I'm gonna slow down my pace so that I can be mindful. I'm gonna be present in the moment so that I can focus. I'm gonna be careful. We all know what that means. Paul says, be careful with your life. Be careful then how you live. Be careful with your schedule. Just, just don't hand it out to anybody. Be careful with your schedule. Be careful with your money. Be careful with your friends. Be careful with your choices. Be careful with all the things because all the things make up your life. Be careful then how you live. And then he adds this little tidbit, not as unwise, but wise. He says, if you're gonna take another trip around the sun, you might as well do it in a way that's wise. If for no other reason, it could be your last. If for no other reason, you may not even get to finish this trip around the sun. So get some wisdom. Wisdom's just simply making the right choices at the right time, right choices at the right time. You say, well, how do I get wisdom? Good, good question. We get it through observation, through watching other people, listening to other people, get it through our own experiences. We, we've made some bad mistakes, we've made some bad choices. We get it through instruction and we're even invited to ask God for it. God, give me wisdom. In other words, help me to be good at life. I don't wanna succeed at the things that are less important. I wanna be good at life. I wanna be skillful. I, I wanna be proficient like a guitar player that really knows how to use his, his instrument with skill. God, I wanna be that way with life. When a classical pianist gets out there and they just put their skill on display for everybody, it's amazing and it's, it's almost like mesmerizing. I wanna be that way with life. I wanna be able to live life skillfully. And you know some of those people, you've seen them and it's like, man, there's just, they're so good at life. They're, they're just, they're good at the important things. Look at the way they parent. Look, 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 at, their, look at their marriage. Look, look, at, look at how they've planned for the future financially. Look, look at all the things. They do things well. They're good at life. 
That's wisdom. And so Paul says, be thoughtful about how you're living. And in order to be able to live life well, get wisdom. Don't be unwise because it's not just about what you know. It's about what you do with what you know. It's not about just getting more information. And that's what church people love to think. Just give me more information, more information, more information, more information. But if there's no application of the information, there will be nothing to show for it. So we all have to practice application of the information that we already have in order if we wanna see any kind of transformation in our lives at all. Because transformation, real change, real honest to God change, better, different, it begins with application. So, so most of you, most of you, maybe not all of you, but, but a large number of us, we already know a lot of what we need to know. And a better life is not about discovering some new tidbit of information. It's not something that you're gonna get by, you heard it on a podcast, it's like, ah, oh, I, never, I never knew that. Or you read a book and it's like, I've never heard that before. That's not gonna be your pathway and my pathway to better. It's gonna be for most of us, for many of us, taking what we already know, taking what we've already been taught, taking what we've already read in the scripture and actually deciding to do what it says. And, and so Paul says, be wise, don't be unwise. Yeah, believe right, get all the right information, know what's true, know what's false. But once you've got it, do something with it. And for the people who don't, you know what the scriptures call those type of people? Fools, fools. So here's a resolution we can all get behind in 22. Let's not play the fool this year. Let's not be a fool this year. Don't be a fool this year. When you go to have lunch today and somebody says, hey, what'd you preach or preach on? Don't be a fool this year. Okay, amen. Praise the Lord. That's great. Sounds, sounds like a really great message. Don't be a fool. Let me, let me ask you a question. Let's just find out how honest we are. How many, how many of us would raise a quick hand? I know some of you, it's like you were taught not to move in church. And so you kind of look like you're dead right now. But I promise we allow movement around here. How many would, would just readily admit in 21, in 21, somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, we were the fool? Anybody just, just go, okay, all right. Now, at the end of this message, there will be an invitation for liars. That's gonna be for all of you who left your hands down, okay? Everybody else is gonna pass, but I just wanna tell you ahead of time, you failed, all right? But anyway, that's another resolution for you. Tell the truth when the preacher asks a question. Okay, but don't be the fool. Let, let me tell you a little bit about what the scripture, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna stay long on these because I just wanna kind of give these to you. Keep in mind, all of these notes, just in case you didn't know, all of these notes are always on our app. All of these notes you can get at any time. You can actually follow along in real time right now, but I wanna give these to you. And if you're a note taker, if you're fast enough to put them down, you know, snap a picture, but I promise they're, they're available for you online. But here's what the scripture says about fool. I think these are some good things for us to try not to do this year. I, I'm not gonna call them resolutions because we're through with that. We know we're not gonna keep them, all right? But, but here's some things. If, if we don't wanna be foolish this upcoming year, as Paul says, if we wanna be careful, here's some things to keep in mind. Fools love to talk, not learn. Okay, here, here's the message. Shut up more this year. Just decide, I'm gonna shut up some this year. Because fools, they just talk and talk and talk and talk and they never shut up. And some of you are thinking, isn't that what you're doing right now? You're just talking and talking. But fools are like that. 
They're just a talking head. And remember, whenever you're talking, you're not learning. Whenever you're talking, you're not learning. Fools love to talk, not learn. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only wanna talk. They wanna tell you what they think. They wanna tell you their opinion. They wanna tell you, you know, what, what they think about the whole matter, but they're not interested in hearing from anybody else. Something else about fools that we, we don't wanna embrace this upcoming year. Fools are easily offended and overly emotional. Yes, married people are nudging each other all over the auditorium. Easily offended, overly emotional. A fool is quick tempered. I mean, just easily triggered. I mean, it just, they, they get set off at a moment's notice. But a wise person stays calm when insulted. They're, they're able to self-govern. They're able to self-manage emotions. They're, they're not passive aggressive. They're not sarcastic. They're, 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 not, they're not, you know, those people who just, you know, they care more about making a point They'll make their point or die. And most of the time it results in you wanting them to die. They're easily offended, overly emotional. They get offended at everything. They're just super sensitive. Oh, you didn't and they didn't and I don't know why and it's always me. Don't be that person this year. Just go ahead and decide. You're not gonna be the fool. Another thing, fools are not teachable. It kind of went along with the first one but fools despise wisdom and discipline. They don't like, they just, they're not into books. Do you read? No, no, I'm not a reader. Oh, so you pot? No, I don't into podcasts. Oh, do you watch anything? Educate? No, you know. What do you, do you, do you ask anybody questions? I'm not into questions. And, you know, they, they're just not teachable. It's like, you know, take notes. Why would I ever take notes? Is there anything I need to remember that I don't already know? I am so awesome. Look at me. I am awesome. I am the captain of the awesome team. I don't need to know anything. You have nothing to offer me. You have nothing to offer me. You simpletons, you dilettantes, morons. I know everything, you know, you know those people. Don't be that guy, don't be that lady in 22. Fools trust their own limited perspective to their own detriment. They're, they're know-it-alls. It, it kind of, they all kind of flow into one another. Those who trust their own insight are foolish. They, they just, they feel like, I don't, I don't, need, I don't need help. I kind of, I know, I just know, and I'm going with my gut. I just trust me. I'm not gonna ask anybody about it. I don't need anybody's opinions. I don't need anybody's feedback. I don't need counseling. I don't need advice. That's what weak people do. Fools ignore obvious warning signs. Uh, wise people can see danger. It's like, okay, if I do that, this could happen, and whew, that's not good, so maybe I shouldn't, maybe I won't. Fools they look to the future and say, well, maybe if I do this, well, yeah, it could all go to hell, but I'm going anyway. That's kind of the fool. They see danger, but they keep going. It's, it's the person who feels compelled to cross the floodwaters in their mini electric car. <laughs> I mean, signs, do not cross rushing, flooding waters ahead and driving a little gas, four, or a little electric four-wheeler, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna go through it. And then it's a disaster. It's like, how did you not know? So don't be the fool. Fools prefer to live in echo chambers. They don't, listen to this, walk with the wise and become what? Wise. You wanna be better parents? Find some people who are better parents than you and make them your friends. 
If you stink at you know, managing your money, find some people who are really good at managing money and make them your friend. Find people who are wise. Find people who have the discipline you don't and make them your friend. Find the people who are good at what you're not good at because when you walk with the wise, when you walk with the skillful, you too will gain skill. You'll get better, but associate with fools and you'll get in trouble. You know what wise people love to do? They get wiser because they entertain alternative perspectives. They, they listen to different points of view. Fools, they just get with people who already agree with them on everything, so they stay foolish. They lock themselves in an echo chamber where everything they read, everything they hear, everything they talk about just reinforces what they already think and their foolish way of thinking, and they stay a fool. Don't do that. Get some diversity in your life. Get some people who look different than you in your life, who believe different from you in your life. I promise it will make you wiser. It will broaden your perspective. It will deepen your understanding of people. Fools, they make the same mistakes over and over again. Isn't this lovely to think about? As a dog returns to its vomit. So a fool repeats its foolishness. It's like you see your dog. I mean, it's like, you know, we, we got a dog. His name's Huck. I hate that dog. I, I hate that dog. I, I mean, I guess I love him, but not really. But I mean, I'm not gonna be crushed if he runs away or I could give him away. Anybody need a dog? And, but the boys love him and I guess for their sake, you know, but, but he'll, he'll just, I mean, I mean, it's like, what is wrong with you? You feel this happening. I know you do. If you can let me know when you need to go empty your bladder, you can flip and let me know when you need to throw up. You stupid dog, right? And, and so, I, you know, but anyway, uh, a fool vents his anger. And, and, and so, and it's like, okay, the dog threw up. I refuse to clean it up. I refuse to clean it up. I ref the boys will clean this up. Boy, and the boys aren't here. Okay. I refuse to clean this up. Give it a few moments. And the dog decides I'm hungry. And it's formed enough to make a second meal. And, and like you watch a dog do that and you're thinking, why do I have the dumbest dog in the world? Why, why is it me? Not only are my kids dumb. No, I'm kidding. Not, not only, it's like, Everybody in my life's dumb. You ever feel that way? <laughs> it's a bad place to be. Everybody in my life is dumb. And you look at that dog and say, God, who would do that? Kind of we all do in a different way. We'll make a mess. It's horrible. It, it just, I mean, it's just terrible. You give us some time. We look at it, we think, hmm, for some reason, I, I'm, I'm gonna just go back and do it all again. I mean, who does that? Fools, fools, they get stuck in repeating patterns. Fools refuse to break generational trajectories. I, I love this, I, I gotta hurry, but the simple inherit folly. The, the, the unwise, the foolish, they just, they just make the same mistakes their fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers and great-grandfathers and great-grandmothers made. And we just keep repeating storylines from our families. 
and we fall into those storylines and we play our role because we inherited folly. We inherited foolishness. The wise though, the wise are crowned with knowledge. The, the wise say, you know what? I don't have to be my dad. I don't have to be my mother. I don't have to be my grandfather, grandmother. I don't have to be guilty of the same things that my family has been guilty of for generations. The same dysfunction that has characterized our family, it's gonna end with me. That's what the wise do. The foolish, they just inherit it. They just own it. They just live in it. They think it's their legacy. They think it's their lot in life. They just, in, they just inherit folly. Fools are too lazy to do what they know needs to be done. A sluggard, I think that's a word we need to redeem and bring back. You're a sluggard. I'm telling you, a sluggard's appetite is never filled because they won't work. I mean, it's like, do something. There's no sense of urgency, just lazy, just always an excuse. You know, one proverb says, a guy is so lazy, he has his hand in the soup bowl, but he's too lazy to lift the spoon to his mouth. Don't be lazy, don't, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy in every application of the term. Don't always have an excuse, always have a reason, always blaming. Paul says, don't be unwise, be wise, making the most making the most of every opportunity, making the most of every opportunity. That's the New International Version. That, that's the version of the Bible I like to read uh, day to day. But the New King James, which I, I, was, I used for a long portion of my life, which is a little bit easier to read than the King James, I think has a more potent and pointed translation of what Paul's saying. He says, redeeming the time, be careful how you live. Be wise, not unwise, so that you can make the most of every opportunity. Be wise, not unwise. Be careful how you live so you can redeem the time. Now, just let me throw this at you because next week and the week after, we're gonna get really, really practical on this, but there's two types of time in the New Testament. There's chronos and kairos. The two types of Greek words that represent time. Uh, chronos is, is calendar time, it's clock time, it's, it's measured time, it, it's, it's past, it's present, it's future. Uh, it's, oh, what time is it? Chronos, that, that would be the, the Greek way of speaking about it. And so you find that word in the New Testament. In, in the Greek myth world, uh, because they love to personify everything, uh, the god Chronos, uh, he, he looked like basically a terrifying version of Father Time. And I, I was gonna show you a picture, but it's kind of gross. And, and, and he's a weary, uh, bent-backed old man with long gray hair, you know, carries around a big knife and kind of looks like the Grim Reaper with an hourglass. And, and he just eats people because Kronos is always taking from you. Time is always taking from you. And, and ultimately, Kronos is what's killing you. Time is working against you. So Kronos is a type of time that's measured. It, it's, it's, it's the watch on your wrist. It's the calendar on your phone. Uh, it's to be counted and measured, but, but kairos or kairos, uh, it, it's a type of time to be lived and to be experienced. Uh, if chronos is quantitative, uh, kairos is qualitative. It, it's, it's the moments of our life. And Kairos in Greek myth was depicted as a good looking young man, really muscular, short muscular legs with wings on his back and little wings on his heels because he moves so fast that when Kairos passed you up, there was no way for you to catch back up to it. 
And Kairos was the God of opportunity. It was the God of a new thing. That when, when Kairos passed you by, you know, he had, he had long flowing locks in front, but the back of his head was bald. Because once he passed, there was nothing to grasp onto. Once he was passed, it was passed. Once the opportunity had flown by, it, it was gone. And, and so those are two types of time. Kairos is, is the moment of opportunity. It's the season of, you know, what we would say, it's an open door. It's a segment of measured time that's ripe with potential. A, a, a place of measured time that offers to you a defining moment, a knock at your door, an opportunity, a defining moment that's able to ripple into the past, into Kronos, into the past, and also into the future. It's like an Esther for such a time as this type of thing, for an opportunity. That's what Paul's saying that this is an opportunity that can change your destiny. This is, a, this is an opportunity that can change the trajectory of your life. Uh, this, this is one of those seasons of the open door that can change everything. This is what Jesus and John the Baptist said. They used the word kairos when they said, the time is now come. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is a season that is ripe with potential. It's energized with possibility. And this is the type of time, this, this kairos, this opportune, this ripe, this energized with, possible, with possibility. This is the type of time that Paul is speaking of when he says, redeeming the time. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but wise, so that you can redeem the time, so that you can redeem time from loss, so that you can restore time. Because in the New Testament, we're taught that Jesus, what? He redeemed us from sin and death. We were enslaved to sin and death, but Jesus died for our sin on the cross in our place so that he could redeem us, so he could free us, buy us back from loss and ruin and restore us. Paul says in the same way, when you live with wisdom, when you make the most of your opportunity and redeem the time, it's not about managing the minutes of your life, though that's important. It's about managing the moments of your life, managing the opportunities, the season of the open door, those moments in time where the possible is just, it's in the air. It's stewarding the defining moment, like Abraham in Ur, or David and Goliath, or Gideon in the threshing floor, or Moses at the burning bush, or Joshua at the river Jordan, or Peter with his net on the boat, or Paul on the road to Damascus. When destiny knocks, when opportunity comes to be able to be ready for it, to make the most of it. It's when you have the opportunity to do what's right, to do what's good, and you seize it. You walk through that door and when you do, you are redeeming time. You are rescuing time that was lost, rescuing opportunity that was lost. Every time you love and forgive and serve and invest and are generous and all the things that you know to do, you are redeeming time, time that seemingly was lost. And the good news is for all of us here at the beginning of the new year, this means that God can help us in some way to recoup, recover, and regain lost time and opportunity. Opportunities that passed us by that we thought we'd never get back. A door that was once open, but now it seems shut and we thought it's done. That somehow God can recover, recoup, restore, redeem those lost moments. 
So Paul says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There's only so many trips around the sun. I double checked to make sure my math was right. I've lived 15,978 days. 15,978 days. The average person gets 28,000. So I don't have any more trips around the sun I've got, but I gotta make the most of every opportunity. Jesus said, work while it's day because night's coming when no person works. Solomon says, hey, whatever your hand finds to do, you better do it because there's no work and no planning in the grave. And so Paul, with all of this in his mind, he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know what God's will is. Most of you, you know what God's will for your life is. So start praying, God, teach me to number my days so that I may apply my heart to wisdom. Most of us know what God's will is that we love one another, forgive one another, that we walk away from the things that undermine our future, that we be generous, that we carry one another's burdens, that we pray for, we, we know a lot of those things. That's God's will for your life. So go do it. You know it's God's will for your life to help people find the kingdom of God. So don't live a life that hides the kingdom of God from people. You know that God's will is for you to parent your children with the future of faith in mind. You know that God's will is for you to grow your faith and be kind and save and give and live off the rest. You know that's God's will for your life. You know it's God's will for your life to be connected to a local church, to be plugged in, to be a part of what God is doing on this earth through his body. You know what the will of God is, so make the most of the opportunity and get to it. Seize the opportunity. Seize the open door. And, and here's, the, here's the point. This is it. This is the... Today is the opportunity. Today is an opportunity for better. Right now, today is the moment that's ripe with potential. Today is this season that's energized with possibility. So you know what to do. Just do it. Don't procrastinate. Procrastination, it's the enemy of progress. Don't be lazy like the fool. Don't be lazy. Can you throw it there? There it is. Don't be lazy. It's the enemy of greatness. Don't neglect what's important. Stop that because that's the enemy of potential. Don't get distracted this year. Just don't do it. It's the enemy of your purpose. Don't be fearful. Just don't. It's the enemy of action. As long as you're too afraid to move, you're gonna remain the same. And just don't be busy. It's the enemy of intimacy. Work hard, but you just don't have to fill everything. Have some margin. Have some time for prayer. Have some time to read the scripture. Have some time for people and friends and conversations and moments and experiences. Just don't do it. Today is the opportunity for better. You can go on to the next one. Look at this. He says, redeem the time then. Redeem it. Redeem it. Make the most of the opportunity. Correct course. Learn from your failures. Do things better. Redeem the time. Because right now, today, this moment of Kronos is your Kairos, your moment of opportunity. And the question is, what will we do with it? What are we going to do with it? What will you do with it? What will I do with it? Uh, Paul, I think, we'll, we'll end it here. Paul 
Paul, I, I imagine, I don't know, but I, I'd like to imagine that maybe in the back of his mind he had a particular event as he wrote these words that happened in the Old Testament. When the people of God got busy and they got affluent. And when you're busy and affluent, that means you have lots of options. And sometimes when you have lots of options to do really great things, sometimes you neglect what's most important and sometimes your priorities can get upside down. And so they were busy, they were affluent, they were distracted and their hearts drifted from God. And God said, you need to come back to me because if you don't, I'm gonna send a plague of locusts. And if I send the plague of locusts in, it's gonna destroy everything. And so they refused to listen. And what happened? God sent in the locusts. But then God sent a prophet to offer them this. And this is the good news that we'll end with and pick up next week. He says, so I will restore to you, if you come back to me, if you seize this moment of opportunity, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. I'm gonna restore back the years you lost. I'm gonna fill your fields and your barns and you're gonna be satisfied. It's gonna be so full that you're not even gonna miss the years that the locusts stole from you. It's gonna be like those years almost never happened, though they did. And though you can te technically not get the Kronos back, you're gonna get the Kairos back. You're, you're gonna get the opportunity back. You're gonna get the open door back. You're gonna be so productive and so fruitful in this next season of your life that it won't compare to what you lost or neglected or forfeited in the last season of your life. That God in some way is gonna help you recoup, recover and regain your lost time and opportunity. Because somehow when we follow Jesus and we understand what the will of the Lord is and we try to our best to live it out, somehow, somehow God is able to reach through time into our past and he begins to take those moments of waste, those moments of neglect and forfeiture he begins to turn them and work them and redeem them and use them for our good. Every bad choice, every bad relationship, every bad attitude, every wasted day, somehow when we make the most of the opportunity today, he gives us more opportunity today. And what we're able to do in this moment can redeem what we lost in the moments we gave up before. Like I said, next week, we're gonna dig in and make this really practical. But when you change course today, when you seize the opportunity to change today, when you seize the opportunity today, you redeem your time. You make the most of your opportunity. And today is an opportunity for better. So make the most of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word. This is your message to us. I pray that our hearts are open. I pray our minds are receptive. And I pray that we just wrestle with it. We think about it. I pray that we'll spend a few moments this upcoming week and, and not so much think about what we want to do or need to do, but we'll think about who we want to be. Who we want to be. And as we think on that and meditate on that, Father, we'll come back here next week, God willing. And we'll open your word to find out exactly what we need to do to get to that destination of who we want to be. And so Father, speak to our hearts, 
change us from the inside out. We know your word never returns void. In Jesus' name, let it accomplish your will and purpose. In Jesus' name, and everybody said.